The sun is shining in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello again, everybody. This is Harry Carey. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. From the CG Technology Studio. Ryan sends one a deep left way back. It is gone. A three-run homer. In the entertainment capital of the world. Didn't matter what the count was. It's the T.C. Martin Show. to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Oh, my goodness. That's the longest home run to center field we have seen in this ballpark. T.C. Martin. Way back in my feet. It could be. Cobweb. 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 Holy cow. What a left fielder. He has the ball there. He has that one. And he had to come down on the field. Proverbial Hump Day Wednesday. Glad to have you with us. T.C. Martin Show. Hump Day. There it is. Where's that camel? I love that camel. <laughs> that is Ballpark Frank playing the role of the camel today. Yeah, but where's Dirk? <laughs> Dirk Diggler? <laughs> Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, Dirk Nowitzki. How about Dirk Diggler? We were talking about movies earlier. You remember Dirk Diggler, don't you? I never saw that movie. You never saw it, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Nunchuck's favorite movie, by the way. Maybe Quake's favorite movie, I think. Yeah? Yes. Boogie Nights. Great soundtrack. We're, it's funny. We're talking about do they do, movies, do they, do soundtracks. Do they do doo-wop in that movie? They do not do any doo-wop <laughs> in that movie. Because of Boogie Nights, you think they might do a doo-wop tune in there no, someplace? Boogie Nights is, is 70s, man. That's your you know king of the disco era. You know, that's... Some great stuff. Oh, Burt yeah, Reynolds. that's the reason I didn't watch it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Can't stand disco. But what I thought was weird, you named that movie Boogie Nights, but you don't have the song Boogie Nights from Heat Wave in that movie. It's not even in the movie, but you title the movie Boogie Nights. Strange. Is it really that strange? I think it's very strange. If you're going to name a title of a movie and you're going to have this great soundtrack, yeah, it should be in there. But maybe it didn't fit. Maybe they didn't want to pay the royalties. It, it definitely fit. That's why. What are we talking about? They had the soundtrack of all the. They had like 30 songs in that movie. It didn't make the cut. It, it should have made the cut. It didn't make the cut. It's about Boogie Nights, and that song is about Boogie Nights. Well, then you when you remake Boogie Nights 2021, no, then you can put that song in there. It's not Boogie Nights. It's <laughs> Boogie Nights. Yeah, whatever. Who Just cares? say it fast. Boogie Nights. No, I don't have to say it at all. I just can't believe it. You, you grew up in an era, in an area that you know, really was R&B friendly. And you just really went anti-R&B. But and now, you wait went a all hard rock. I also grew up in an area that had Disco Demolition Night at the White Sox That's game. That's not fair. D- disco did not, not work fair. there. I went to a couple of things when Steve Dahl, who was with The Loop, I know. and Teenage Radiation, when they would pelt people with marshmallows. And you were just one of those anti-disco guys. I, I went to a couple of the places yeah. where they had the disco clubs, and he would bring a pickup truck. They would have bags of marshmallows, and you would throw them at the people going in and That's out horrible. of the places. That's horrible. It, it, it helped kill disco there. No. Yes, it did. Dis- <laughs> Absolutely. Disco will never die. Disco never lived there. The fuck is alive! One of my proudest things of being from Chicago, that we didn't accept that. Garbage. Did you ever go dancing, Frank? Did you ever go to the clubs? You never did, did you? Hell no. You you went to these bars and at the and played pool and the jukebox. Yes. And all rock and roll, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, no, no. You You're king of the air guitar, weren't no, no, you? No, no. There was some live music in that, <laughs> oh. but it was rock. Yes. <laughs> and and there, I, I did shoot a lot of pool back then and that sort of stuff. Yes. Yes. No, I did not go to any disco clubs. <laughs> never went to those type of concerts, did you? Never watched uh, Soul Train, did you? I saw Soul Train a couple of times. Okay. You know, I mean, Walter Payton was on Soul Train for crying out loud. There you go. Exactly. Come on. You got to tell me you did the Super Bowl shuffle in 1985. I listened to it. I did not do it, actually. No. (laughs) Was there even really a dance to that? It was so weird. It it was weak. It was very weak. All right. Speaking of which, yeah, we're talking music. Uh, I'm going to be a guest next Tuesday on the Dougie Doo-Wop show. That's I can what, hardly wait. That, that's why I threw the doo-wop reference yeah, exactly. into the Boogie Nights, yeah. even though I knew yeah. that it wasn't yeah. actually in there. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. 
You know, you I, had, I threw you the alley oop, but you you missed the dunk. I missed the dunk. All right, <laughs> I'll try. I'll try to get that for Tuesday. Dougie Duop, ten o'clock, right here on this station, ten to noon. I'll be, I'll be spinning the oldies. Me and Dougie Duop. What is your favorite oldies tune? Wow, favorite. Here we go, Cartwright. Here we go. No, 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 no. It's not greatest of all time. Uh, you said a genre or something like that. So this is a genre. What's your favorite doo-wop tune? That is man. a genre, my friend. Don't be calling me the big seven-footer. Favorite Because I'm big, tune. but I'm far from seven-foot. <laughs> man, I don't know what my favorite one is. I really did. I do like Only You. I like The Great Pretender. I like my platter songs. I like all that stuff. Anything platters is, is really good. Well, you with, have a uh, couple of days to research it. Yeah, yeah. I got to think about that. I yeah, mean, there's a lot let of... Let us know the day before the show. Um, You're doing it next Tuesday, so next Monday, unveil your favorite do-up So Okay. I got a couple that I'm, I'm okay. contemplating Maybe right your now. top five like you did with your movies. You That's know? what I'll do. I'll do that. You know, top you know? five. I'll be fun. All right, we got Major League Baseball uh, going on right now. The A's and the Astros, the slugfest. Do you realize now? I don't. It's right now. The A's are leading the Astros by a score of four to two. So I'm not sure how runs three and four came about for the A's. But prior to that, do you realize there have been what? What is the number here? Eight homers by the A's. Eight homers by the Astros in the postseason already, and just in two short series. All I know is that the ball in California, in both Dodger Stadium and down at Petco down in San Diego. Is flying. Yes. When, when did California become the surface of the moon or something? These balls are flying all over the place. Every time it's hitting the air, you're wondering if it's going to go out. When you get 90-degree days down in L.A., you get that. And here's the thing that people aren't, aren't used to. The Dodgers play, per, most of their games are at night. Okay, Chavez Ravine, 7 o'clock starts from 7.30 starts. And the only time they ever play the 1 o'clock starts are Sunday afternoons, and a lot of those Sunday afternoon games get pushed back to the Sunday night baseball game ESPN, so very, very rare. I went to, the last 1 o'clock game I went to was the season before last. It was 4th of July. It was, I think it was that weekend, and it was 92 degrees, sat right behind the uh, Dodger dugout, sweat like a pig. I'm not kidding. Had to go to the concession stand every half inning because that heat was just boiling down. A lot of people don't realize, like, 92 here and 92 there, totally different. And people aren't used to that type of heat at Dodger Stadium. And that's why they don't play Saturday or Sunday afternoon games. Yeah, I remember being a kid, like, way back like in grade school and that when they would do it sometimes in the postseason when you'd see all the games. Right. And then you would see the, the outfielders having trouble with the uh, the shadows and that yes. because the where the sun is. And a, a lot of times you'd have the pitcher's mound being in the sun and then the batter's box would be in the shadows and you'd have to pick the ball up there so there's definitely a different little bit of a uh, aesthetics and everything when it comes to uh day baseball but but man the ball has just been but even at night yeah. even in the night games in, in petco and chavez ravine the ball is just flying out of there yeah we'll see what happens here with, with the rest of the series but right you know right now azer had four to two the astros looking for the closeout game they won the first two games and uh, we'll see what happens the a's got two runners on we are in the what fifth inning here on and the A's are the visiting team today. Now I thought I was interested. Here's here's how my mind works. I was very curious about this today, and I see that they they followed what I was going to suggest would have been a terrible Tuesday, but we didn't know this until today. So they're playing the series at these the, the same parks, right? So today and tomorrow, if there's a if game, game four, the Astros are the home team. They're the visiting team. I was curious to see if they were going to change dugouts. Because, you know, the Dodgers, you know, the, the, the home dugout was over in the third base side. And the Astros were on the first base dugout. Games 1 and 2 as a visiting team. Will the Astros switch dugouts? But they kept them in the same dugout, which I would expect. Because can you imagine with all the COVID talk and everything, if they would switch dugouts, switch, you know, locker rooms and clubhouses? That would go against everything that they're preaching here. But luckily they didn't do that. And yet in the NHL, they did do that. Did they in the, really? in the bubble in the NHL, they did because they said oh. the advantage of being the home team was you got the larger locker room. So, so as weird as it was, and the NHL had zero positive tests the entire tournament in the bubble, in, in both Toronto and in Edmonton. So maybe they got away with something there. But no, I agree with yeah. you. I mean, it does make sense not to, and you kind of wonder does it really matter that much? But yeah, but the NHL actually did. I'm not sure what the NBA is yeah. doing with that. But but yeah, it, it makes sense to me to not do it as well. But. Um, yeah, it, it is weird. I mean, it's uh, 
home team in this stuff here, all it means is who gets the last set back. Exactly. Unless, of yeah. course, you're the Dodgers, and then you actually are playing at home. Right. <laughs> me, me, meanwhile, the Padres are on the road watching their home park being used for American League games. And, and so do the Dodgers. Same thing. The Dodgers are playing the Padres in Arlington, Texas. Yeah, yeah. So It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's a very weird thing going on right now. But you know what? It's 2020. So mm-hmm. now I know that you're rooting for the Astros because mm-hmm. you're a good, good friends with Dusty Baker. Is it the worst thing in the world today if they do lose this game and then they don't have quite as many days of rest? Or, or do you not believe in that rust versus rest theory? To a certain degree, but when you're dealing with baseball and you're dealing with pitching, and as we know, the Astros don't have that strong of starting pitching, and Zach Greinke was originally slated to go today in Game 3, but he hasn't been good the last couple weeks, and he does have an arm issue, so this guy actually needs some rest. So I believe that you need to close out as soon as you can because your pitchers need rest, especially there's no off days and there's no travel days. So, yeah, especially in this situation, you got to close out. And Dusty will tell you firsthand that how many times has he been one win away from clinching and it comes back to bite him. It happened in Chicago. It happened in Cincinnati. It happened in Washington a few years ago. So same situation here. Yeah, I think – it, it wouldn't be, you know, the death of all because you still need one game to clinch. But, yeah, when you got a chance to put the other team away, just do not give a team like Oakland any momentum because this A's team is batting under 200 right now. But today they've got some life, and they're starting to hit the ball. They've already hit three home runs already today. Now they've got runners on again, four to two. Now they've already gotten into the Astros' bullpen. So, yeah, if I'm Dusty, I'm thinking, like, man – it's danger time anytime you give some, some team the mojo. And see, I'm on the same page as you there, and not only because of the reasons you mentioned, and you mentioned starting pitching, but the last thing you said there, the bullpens as well. Because the games are so condensed and because you're playing basically every day and you know there's not the travel days and the other things that you have going on right now, I would think that it's even more important to have your, bull, your bullpen as fresh as possible. So more days of rest means that all of a sudden everybody's recycled and you can use them all going into the next series. Because how many of these games have we seen where a team's using six, seven pitchers in a game? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, we, we had the one game. Now I know there was an injury in part of it, but uh, last week there was a game where we saw three pitchers in the first yeah. inning and a third or whatever. The Padres used eight pitchers last night because yeah, so, Clevenger went out early. Yeah, and and, and, yeah. and, it's, and and again, boy, too bad for that kid, too, that, you know, and all of a sudden now he's done again. He thinks yeah. he's coming back and now he's done. But, but, yeah, I mean, bullpens are so crucial right now. And, you know, if when you're pitching every day like that, even last night with the Yankee game, I mean, they didn't need – or Chapman didn't come in. But he was still warming up in that. And I know that's not like an appearance, but still, you've got to have everybody ready. So the sooner you can wrap it up, I think, it's, I think it really is, especially in this year, maybe a bigger advantage than any other. Yeah, especially no off days, no travel days. And baseball, is, in my opinion, is the biggest momentum sport. Because, again, you see guys that get in these slumps. And we see you know, several A's that are two for 18, one for 16. You just normally don't snap out of that. Okay, baseball... It, as we know, is a game of failures, and you just have that with baseball. I mean, teams that are like George Springer right now. Just He was struggling for a majority of the season. Jose Altuve. But these guys have started to turn it around, especially Springer hitting you know uh, all these home runs in the postseason. And Altuve hits one today, getting off the schneid. Correa has done the exact same thing. So you've got to capitalize on that because it can go south in a heartbeat with baseball, and especially when you're dealing with a best uh, three out of five series. You get on the wrong side of that, you can be done in a heartbeat. Well, yeah, there's not another sport yeah. out there that I can think of where if you're successful three out of ten times, you're a Hall of Famer. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, you, usually that's a bad stat. Right. In baseball, right. that's you're a 300 hitter. Yeah. But even in basketball where you're playing maybe every day or every other day, you're playing about an average of, of three to four times a week in basketball, you do have, like, the bounce backs. With baseball, I mean, look at the streaks. I mean, the A's held the record. You go back to the movie Moneyball, which was showcased there. The A's won 20 in a row. I mean, that is insane. We've seen losing streaks, eight, nine games losing streaks, and that's what what baseball is all about. That's what I think makes it so exciting. So, you know, they always say, you know, bet bet with the streak, don't go against the streak, and a lot of people do that. With football, you throw it out the window because, again, you're playing once a week, got plenty of time to recover, you got plenty of time to game plan for that next opponent. You know, injuries, you get a chance to heal up. Uh, you know, different locations. So, you know, football, I mean, you can see, and we've seen it, you know, all the time, you know, one team could play like gangbusters one week and the next week they stink. 
Well, and the other thing about baseball, too, that does make it unique to the other sports out there is the starting pitching. And you mentioned the starting pitching. Could you imagine in football if you had to play a different quarterback every time you went out there, a different starting quarterback? In hockey, if you had to have a different goaltender every three games or whatever, and you, you had a rotation of them or something like that. Pitchers are that important in baseball, and yet you can't pitch every day. So a pitcher pitches what? Every four days, five days? Maybe this time yeah. of year you might go on a couple days rest, but it's the rare exception, and you're always wondering what's going to happen. So that's the other thing out there. You could have the most dynamic team, but if you don't have the starting pitching or if your bullpen's not good enough and your pitchers can't go deep enough, there's so many different things. We always talk about team sports, and I know in hockey you want to roll four lines and you want the special teams and everything else in football and that. But in baseball, you're literally fielding a different team every day because of that starting pitching, and you have no idea who's coming in or out of the bullpen on a day-to-day basis. You know, uh, a point, uh, and I heard this uh, the stat earlier today, and kind of blew me away, that, you know, talking about George Springer and Dodger Stadium. George Springer has five home runs in his career at Dodger Stadium. He only trails one guy that has more homers in the postseason – at Dodger Stadium. You got any idea who it is? It's legendary. It's Hall of Famer. Willie Mays. No. It's a good guess, though. Reggie Jackson. But how... But here's where I'm going with it. Yeah, Reggie Jackson had, has six postseason homers at Dodger Stadium. How weird is it, or how strange is it, that it's not a Dodger? That it's not a Dodger? I mean, you can go back to you know Steve Garvey, Reggie Smith, you know guys like that. But even the modern Dodgers, who have been in the postseason repeatedly year after year after year, even though they haven't won a World Series since 1988, how come a Dodger doesn't hold that record? Well, it's also interesting that it's a guy that played his career in the American League. Exactly, right? You know, because it shows yeah. how often Reggie Jackson was on teams that made the World Series exactly. and played the Dodgers. And there was no interleague play back in those no. days. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean... But, well, but Springer, I, too. I, I, I do remember Reggie Jackson, one of the things that I remember about him, and, and I'm sure that your memory changes and things aren't exactly like they really were, but it seemed like every time a pitcher knocked him down in a game, that then he just got up, he never charged the mound, he never glared at him or something like that, he just got back in the box, dug in a little bit better, and then it seemed like he always went long ball. Yep. He always went yard afterwards because he was like, I'm not going to try to knock you out or do something like that. I'm going to hit you where it hurts. I'm going to put this ball over the fence. And that was the way to shut people up. Yeah. And your guess with Willie Mays, it, that's good division, all that stuff. But Willie Mays didn't make enough uh, postseason appearances. Well, yeah, that's true because they were both in the same division. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, I was just thinking of Willie Mays because he was my favorite baseball player oh, as a kid. So, oh. <laughs> outstanding. Awesome. <laughs> All right, today on the program, we're going to talk a little NFL. We're going to dive into some Raiders today. Our good friend Mike Pritchard is going to join the program, the former wide receiver, uh, the first-round pick in Las Vegas' very own. So we'll talk a little Raiders football today, preview Raiders Chiefs coming up this weekend. Raiders started off 2-0. They're now 2-2, and it's funny because a lot of the naysayers are back with the Raiders now because remember after that opening you know victory on the road against Carolina well pretty impressive then they beat the Saints to open up Allegiant Stadium and everybody was on the bandwagon bandwagons are for jumping on and off of my friend this is true this is true so where are Raider fans now you know uh, tough part of the schedule and they got to go play Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City so we'll dive into that with uh, Pritch a little bit later on. Major League Baseball, we uh, talk about the game that is going on right now, the Astros and the A's. The A's have the lead 4-2. to two. Uh, We are now in the bottom of the fifth. Houston, the home team at Dodger Stadium, leadoff runner on there. So uh, if you got the over today, probably you're in pretty good shape, you would think, 4-2 to two right now. I'm in sure pretty fifth. good shape in a lot of these games if you have the over. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that last night, the way the – the Padres were going through all those pitchers, but the game ended up under. It was, it was five to one uh, last because night because the Dodgers had that one big inning. Exactly, exactly, and, and they didn't have a hit, I believe, until the sixth inning. It was crazy, but they had seven walks before they had that hit, and they had a run without a hit. It, it was, and if you're not going to get a crazy. lot of hits in a game, yeah. get them all in the same inning. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Earlier today, the Braves took care of the Marlins again. You know, Marlins been involved in a lot of these low-scoring games in the last series against the Cubs and the Braves too. 2 nothing. Braves win today. So now uh the Braves on the on the verge of uh, you know, sweeping the Marlins here. Just like that. I mean, Miami was a nice little story, but the Braves have won the first two games in the series, 9 to 5 yesterday, 2 nothing today. Yeah, well, they're a nice little story, but again, let's face it. I mean, 
it, it worked out well for them that they got to play the team that they never lose to in the postseason. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I don't care what the Cubs record is. For whatever reason, the Marlins have their number. Mm-hmm. All right. That is true. That is very, very true. All right. So, uh, yeah, Chris Bosio will join us, if not later today, uh, tomorrow. We'll talk with him, uh, Major League Baseball, uh, regarding the playoffs. We do have two more games tonight, the Rays and the Yankees. That series, the Yankees, a thirty-five favorite tonight. That series tied at one. And then we were talking about the Dodgers. Uh, game number two tonight, Clayton Kershaw takes them out, a two twenty favorite. And the uh, Padres are going to now, uh, they were holding back who to start tonight. Zach Davies will get the start. Probably... You know their their best starting pitching, uh, their their best starting pitcher the last few weeks. So, but still, Clayton Kershaw laying two twenty. How many times have we seen the Dodgers laying you know over two dollars with Clayton Kershaw and not get the job done in the postseason? Well, it certainly has happened in the postseason. It seems like more than in the regular season. But I want to get back to that Yankee series real quick because I don't know how much of the game you got to see last night. Yankees, I believe, had eighteen strikeouts in the game. Uh, they swung and missed at pitches twenty nine times, which I guess is a Yankee record for the postseason. But that umpire in that game, he called everything a strike. Oh, yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I mean, the, the, both benches were not happy with it. I know they say that if a uh, you know if an umpire is consistent, that's all you can re- really ask for. But if we do get Chris on, that's one of the things I want to ask him. As a pitcher, I'm sure you love it. But, I mean, there were pitches so far out of the strike zone that he was calling strikes. It's like he had an early dinner reservation or something. Right. I know. It's true. <laughs> Here it is. You know where we're going again. The Astros have tied it up 4-4. Diaz, making his first postseason start, goes yard. What a shocker. What a shocker. And it's 4-4, just like that. Oh, over. Cash in your tickets. Unbelievable. Got to wait in line. Got to wait till the game's over. Yeah, I know. But Got to uh, be official. Unbelievable. Yeah. This, uh, here we're talking about again. Dodger Stadium, home runs. Ball flying out of the park. Unbelievable. Yeah, remember when the launching pad used to be down in Atlanta? Yes, now, Fulton County now, Stadium. Now, now in the postseason in day baseball, it's at Chavez Ravine. Wow. What a, what a crazy game this is, crazy series. And uh, we'll see. The Astros could be the first team to – they were the first team to advance because we joked about, oh, did they sweep because they won the two games? Well, this would be a legitimate sleep, uh, sweep winning the all three the first three games against the A's. They could be 5 and 0 oh, and this is a team that was under 500 going into the COVID games as we call them. 29-31 was their record. They could be 5 and 0 oh here. Well, you know what? Get hot at the right time of the season. You got getting that right. hot right now and it's the right time of the season. You got that right. All right. So, yeah, we got plenty of Plenty on tap for you today. We're going to talk some NFL on the other side of the break. Mike Pritchard will join us. We've got a couple quarterback changes in the NFL as well, too. And we'll uh, preview the Raiders and the Chiefs. Coming your way Wednesday, Ballpark Frank, T.C. Martin, yeah. Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Get ready for NFL week number five. Raiders in action against Kansas City. Looking forward to that this weekend. We're going to break it all down for you and uh, visit with our good friend, the former wide receiver, the first round pick, Las Vegas' very own out of Rancho High School. Uh, great NFL career, spanned nine years, and a longtime media member, former colleague, and of course, frequent guest as well. And, uh, very glad to have him on the program and connect again. We're talking about Mike Pritchard. Pritch, what's going on, my man? Hey, great to hear your voice, TC, man. How are you doing? Likewise. And I also got to say, currently on the Raider Nation radio network and also VEASAN, you are busy, my friend. Appreciate you taking the time today, man. Oh, you know what? It's uh, it's a blast. I think that's what happens when you get an NFL franchise in your city. Uh, <laughs> uh, doors open, man, and... Uh, uh, you know, it's been crazy. Like, growing up here, I never thought in a million years would we have an NFL franchise. But uh, no, not only having an NFL franchise in town, uh, the, the gaming industry, the National Football League, has partnered up with the gaming industry. So uh, that, that's been exciting. It's been, a, it's been a thrill ride so far. I know. A lot of changes, man, that we, for a long time, Las Vegas never thought we would see happen. And uh, just to kind of transition into that point a little bit, Pritch, now you had a couple stints uh, in Denver, uh, one of your former teams as well, covering the Broncos, and now you, you, know, mm-hmm. you came back here. How different is this for you 
covering the arch rival, the silver and black, because again, this is, it's just Raider country this year. And so for, and I know how that rivalry is with Denver and the Raiders. Uh, now you're just, you you dove into basically being like the silver and black correspondent. How, how crazy is that for you? And what are your partners in Denver saying about all this? <laughs> well, I, I, I've been getting it uh, a lot from Denver, Colorado, in I particular, because I play, I play for the Buffs, too. So That's right. Um, yeah, that rivalry, which is interesting, because I played for the Seahawks, too, fellas. And, and you think about there was a rivalry back in the way back in the old AFC West, uh, now that the Seahawks are in the NFC West, you don't see it that much. Uh, but my playing days, it was that old AFC West. It, it, here, here's how I summed it up. The Raiders are rivals with everybody. I mean, pick a team. Um, uh, everybody has a rivalry situation with the Raiders. But I, I, I could not wait to get – I couldn't get back to Vegas fast enough, really, to just witness firsthand this franchise in Las Vegas, you know, an iconic franchise in the, in the Raiders and an iconic city in Las Vegas. I, I thought that was a great match made, uh, and certainly I was going to try to find a way to be a part of it, part of it if I could. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's some, some really long-standing friends and, and people that, that are beholden to the Broncos. I cannot believe that I'm covering the silver and black. Uh, they, they didn't call me traitor, uh, but they came kind of close. <laughs> well, you know what, Pritch? I mean, if, if number four and uh, Jerry Rice can do commercials together, now I guess rivalries after you retired aren't maybe what they used to be. But when you talk about rivals and you mention the fact that uh, everybody has a rivalry with the Raiders, are rivalries what they used to be with all the movement we see in today's NFL with the free agency and guys going to different teams all the time in that? Uh, because it seems like rivalries in a lot of people's, uh, in a lot of cities, are almost more fan-driven than they are necessarily players that they're kind of loyal to the team that's signing the paycheck. Yeah, Frank, great to hear you, man. Um, um, you, you know what? I think um, they're not like they used to be. Um, when I was playing for the Broncos, for instance, we had Raiders week, and all week long we were juiced up, man. We were It, it was hyped up as if uh, this was our arch enemy, right? And I actually got into a scrap against uh, with James Trapp out there on the field. And, uh, you know, you're on Monday night football, it's Broncos versus the Raiders, and it's all hyped up. And, um, you know, we came out on top in that one. Uh, but certainly, no, the, the rivalries because of free agency, uh, because of uh, familiarity with players. And certainly I think guys are taking care of each other a little bit better now. Uh, so they're, they're not headhunting or they're not taking as many cheap shots as you used to uh, in the National Football League. So, yeah, the rivalry from that standpoint has kind of died down. But I think from a fan perspective, uh, it, it still runs rampant. Uh, we've heard from Raider Nation uh, people, you know, did pick a fan base. Uh, wherever you go, uh, certainly within the fans, the rivalry still exists. Well, I want to know who got the best of, uh, of, of that, you or James Trapp. I, my money's on you, man, that little <laughs> cornerback. Come on, you got the best of him. Um, yeah, you know, scraps on the football field. It, it, <laughs> it ends into everybody grabbing each other's face mask and stuff like that, right? No, no punches were thrown. But I, I did get the best of it because we <laughs> blanked the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Uh, and then when I went out to dinner, I went out to dinner after the game with Anthony Miller and a couple of guys, and we went to this restaurant, and um, Bronco fans, they sent over a bottle of Dom Perignon. So I came out on top because I got a great steak uh, and some absolutely fabulous champagne to go with that steak. By the way, you're definitely right about the fan base because you probably noticed I said number four and I still won't say a certain player's name. I'm going to go there, right. too. But, I, but, I, go ahead. I knew who you were talking about, though. But, but, I knew exactly but, who you were talking but about. But also, I just want to make sure that people realize when you said you blanked the Raiders, you actually meant that you, you held them scoreless, correct? Because that can be taken several correct. different ways. <laughs> But I want to go back. Correct. I want to go back to this number four thing, okay? Because you got to know, Pritch played with number four. Okay, I know he did down That's in it. Atlanta. So straighten this guy out. Down, down in Atlanta when they could win football there games. Yeah, or as Jerry Glenville <laughs> called him, Mississippi, right? So you got to st- <laughs> yeah. straighten Frank out yeah, about number four. Now, come on, give the guy some love here. Come on, Frank. Well, well, t- talk about not realizing what you had, right? I mean, Atlanta they actually <laughs> traded uh, Brett, right? Um, which was fascinating because. You never know who's watching, right? So, so Brett didn't really play that that first year that much. What where he got most of his playing time was in the preseason, and we we played a preseason game. It was the first preseason game of the year, 
and he threw me three touchdown passes. So <laughs> that put me on the map uh, with Atlanta, and but that put Brett on the map with other teams that might have been interested in him. So here you have Ron Wolf, who was running things at the time with um, with Green Bay, uh, and he trades. He puts out he puts out a first round draft choice in order to get Brett Favre, who was a second round draft choice from Atlanta. So. Uh, you talk about a shrewd move that kind of paid off for him. They won a championship uh, uh, beating the Bears along the way, Frank. Wasn't his first completion to himself? (laughs) It was. It was. See Um, see how selfish he is? Yeah, 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 I hear you. I hear you. (laughs) He is Mike Pritchard, uh, joins the former wide receiver himself, Las Vegas' very own. Mike does a great job on the Raider Nation radio network and also – with Visa. And so let's talk a little Raiders. They're two and two. They're losers of two straight. A lot of people preach they were high on the bandwagon when the Raiders started off two and oh. But, you know, we noticed there's a lot of the same issues of Raiders teams in the past, and that would be defense and penalties. Tell me what you've noticed so far, and where is this team right now, in your opinion? Well, it's a team that has to make up their mind what kind of season they want to have. I, I think they have the talent to make a run at the playoffs, but I don't know if they know how to do that yet. Um, because they they haven't had anybody within this franchise to show them the way. Now, they've brought in other players, you know, Jason Witten and uh, Nelson Aguilar and, you know, people like that that have won Super Bowl rings or certainly played at a high level, Hall of Fame level even. Um, And and so that example is now in the locker room, but it, it still is a learning process in order to win games and not beat yourself. So last week was a prime example against Buffalo. I thought the Raiders played a solid game. They had a pretty good game plan. It's just they shot themselves in the foot. They, they couldn't capitalize in certain situations. Uh, they turned the ball over, and they had costly penalties. And you're, you're not going to beat anybody that way, let alone one of the better teams in AFC right now, and that's Buffalo Bills. So uh, it, it's a learning process from that standpoint. they got to get healthy as well. But I think they have the makings. I think the Las Vegas Raiders have a make have the makings of having a pretty decent season. And and if they can make up their mind, I think they can have a playoff season. When you say uh, a good season, and you said you think they could maybe make the playoffs there, what is the realistic expectation that fans should have? Because it seemed like after that win over New Orleans, that the expectations maybe got a little bit uh, ahead of themselves and a little bit overblown. Well, that was a big victory. I mean, that, that, that's a Super Bowl-caliber team. Uh, you're talking about the Saints. Uh, but so was Buffalo, right? I mean, the way that Josh Allen is playing, they're undefeated. Uh, they're, they're a complete football team, too. Uh, they, they probably cracked open the Super Bowl window themselves. Uh, but the Raiders, you know, they looked inept a little bit at times against that team, whereas against New Orleans, uh, it, it was a different story. So they're capable of doing it. It's just about consistency now, Frank, uh, and TC. Uh, and that's something that, you know, when you're a team that hasn't won a lot or you're used to losing, consistency is kind of hard to come by. But but if they figure it out and they become more consistent, avoid the mistakes, and, yeah, I, you know, expectations will probably go back up. Uh, I, I don't know from from a realistic expectations. I, I, I shun to think that this is an 8-8 eight eight football team. I think they're better than that. Uh, so somewhere between 9 and 7, uh, and 10 and 6 if there isn't in between. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I, I think uh, realistically, if they could get to 9 and 7, they have a shot because they've expanded the playoffs this year. Pritch, I want to go back to something you said here at the, at the beginning, talking about, hey, never thought we'd have an NFL franchise here, uh, you know, being a Vegas native like you are. Let's remember, this is a transplanted team, okay? There were no roots here as far as the Raiders. And football fans here, as we know, have had long allegiances to their own favorite teams. And we have a lot of transplants that, that, that move here. So do you see that this community is actually latched onto this team now? Or do you feel that it's still kind of an acquired taste to root for the Raiders? Because unlike the Golden Knights, where that was, again, an expansion team, this is a transplanted team. And I'm just curious from your take here, do you feel that this is really, truly silver and black territory yet? Not yet. Yeah, it doesn't have that feel to it. Um, and I don't know if you guys have felt that too, but, yes. uh, you know, being in other NFL cities, you know you're in Broncos country, right? Or or you're up there around Chicago Bear fans or, or you're up uh, in the Bay Area and you know exactly where you are and where you stand. Um, it, it's not that like that here because – it is new. 
you know, growing up here, our, our pro team was UNLV. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then other teams, other people. You know, my favorite team growing up was the Cowboys, only because my brother's favorite team was the Cowboys. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's still that feel. Now, if the Raiders start to win, that probably changes. I, I think uh, people will embrace, uh, certainly if you're from Las Vegas, if you've been in Las Vegas for a long, long time, uh, if you're a fan of the Jets, you're probably looking for another team right now. So uh, winning winning will, will make that fan base grow. Uh, what I've witnessed, though, fellas, is the influx of people uh, on weekends. Like, I've noticed it. I don't know if you guys have, but you're, we're getting people from L.A. We're getting people from the Bay Area. We're getting people uh, pretty much from all over the country who are Raiders fans who just want to be in Vegas, either when the Raiders are playing here or certainly when they're on the road. So uh, I think um, from that perspective, we're going to grow from, from there. Uh, but, but locally, I, I think it's going to take some time to win some people over. Now, Mike, certainly the Raiders had to know that coming in here, that there was a lot of people out here that already didn't like them. Do you think that's one of the reasons that even more so they're getting involved in the communities and the schools and the youth football and that? Because maybe their thought process is, well, we might not get some of the adults, but let's make sure that the next generation of Raider kids, as they grow up to become adults, that they will then become Raider fans and that they really will be a silver and black city. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's part of the, uh, well, one, it's part of the mission statement of the National Football League. They, they definitely uh, want to integrate themselves in local communities and uh, be about communities and certainly the charitable work that they do uh, from, from the pers- uh, prospect of, of NFL charities, right? So uh, that, that's part of that mission. But then also I think Mr. Davis is, is pretty savvy, pretty smart. Uh, you got a brand-new stadium that the public helped pay for. Uh, but yet you still want the public uh, and, you know, local communities to feel like, hey, this is your team. And I don't know when that takes hold, though. Like like we were saying, I think I think it will. It's going to take some time, but helping certainly helps it uh, accelerate uh, from that standpoint. But, yeah, the community work uh, to the level that it's at right now, it, it's been fantastic. But it's only going to grow once this pandemic hopefully is over and, and certainly we'll be able to operate the way that we normally want to operate. You'll see the presence of the Las Vegas Raiders all over the place. All right, Mike Pritchard joins us. All right, Pritch, uh, Derek Carr uh, has said several times, and again the other day, he said, hey, I'm tired of losing. We're kind of feeling that John Gruden is is feeling that exact same way with some of his comments, kind of getting fed up a little bit. And, uh, you know, a lot of Raider fans, I, I, I think, especially old-time Raider fi- fans, got to be feeling that exact same way too. Uh, and we touched upon it a little bit earlier, you think this team can be a playoff team, but really with this roster, with this coaching staff, uh, do you really believe that this team has a chance to, to make the playoffs considering that Kansas City is in front of you? But just talk about the losing mentality. And as a quarterback or as a player, if you've been here for a while, how that can really wear on you. Well, it can. In particular, Derek Carr, you know, he's going into year seven and – uh, he had one winning season, and then he ended up breaking his leg in that season. Didn't even play in the playoff game. So um, I, I don't know what that feels like, right, when you miss out on the most important game of the year that year. Uh, and then uh, it's been pretty dry in terms of getting back to the playoffs. And uh, for long-standing Raider Nation, Raider fans, yeah, it's been a minute. Uh, you haven't won a playoff game since 2002, uh, which is crazy to think about. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are fed up and tired of losing. But but it goes back to what I said earlier. you got to make up your mind and be tired of it and be fed up with it and, and do something about it. You know, third and one, you can't get stopped on offense. You know, third and short situations, you can't, you can't um, get stopped again. You know, fourth and two in the five-yard line, you can't settle for a field goal. You have to have the confidence that you can make it and convert and get into the end zone. And then defensively, you can't give up big plays, and you can't give second opportunities to teams that are in third down and long situations. Uh, so there's a collection of, uh, of things that the Raiders can change in order to make it happen for themselves this year in terms of getting to the playoffs. But, but again, it goes back to making up your mind and being more consistent. 
Hey, Mike, uh, I want to get serious here for just a second because the one thing that a lot of people are, I'm not going to say they're not talking about, but they really don't want to talk about it that much, COVID-19 and the pandemic, and you mentioned it right now, how big of a scare or potential problem can this become? We've already seen a couple teams that have had their schedule changed around. The NFL is talking about maybe adding a week 18 in case they have to do some more rescheduling. They're talking about now maybe fining teams or maybe even make them forfeit if they don't follow the protocol. But we're only four weeks into the season, and uh, there's no clear sign that this is going away anytime soon. What happens if more teams start getting this, and uh, what could be the possible outcome of it all? Well, it it could lead to a shutdown, guys. Um, That's the realization. That's reality. I mean, we are in a pandemic, and we're reminded every day, you know, whether you know somebody or you know of somebody that, that has COVID. And and certainly, you know, from a treatment standpoint and, and from a vaccine standpoint, nobody, nobody knows when that's going to happen. Um, there are treatments out there that are experimental. But, but you know, I, I, I think from a pandemic standpoint, you can be diligent. You can do the right things. You can uh, do everything that you're supposed to do, but yet still be susceptible and catch it. So um, I, until there's a – like we have one major breakout right now, and that's in Tennessee. And – and you know, a lot of people think that Tennessee broke protocol. There's an investigation going on. Uh, they might have to forfeit their next game against Buffalo. I, I think that could be on the table. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing the National Football League either readdress it or shut it down for a couple of weeks and say, look, we got to either re-educate or re-enhance some of these protocols. But we cannot afford to have this drip, 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 drip a positive test and therefore jeopardize game after game after game every week. Uh, so, uh, you know, to answer your question, Frank, I, I think at some point uh, that's got to happen. I, I think if it, if it continues like this and we get that drip, drip, drip of positive test, uh, I can see that the NFL says, look, let's shut this down for a couple of weeks and make sure that everybody tests negative before proceeding. Mm-hmm. All right, Pritch, before we let you go, let's talk Raiders, Kansas City. This week, Raiders on the road here. Patrick Mahomes and company, uh, a, a couple scares. But, uh, again, you know, last week the Chiefs looked pretty strong against uh, New England. And uh, the Raiders, again, fall at home against Buffalo here. Raiders banged up a little bit, but they, it sounds like they will get rugs back, maybe a couple other guys. Uh, give us your take and, and match up these two teams for Sunday. Oh, man, it's a tough matchup. Uh, maybe Raiders saving grace is that Kansas City played on Monday. So uh, you have that in your favor. You know, Gilmore testing positive. You wonder you wonder where the psyche is of the Kansas City Chiefs. They just played a team that had some positive tests, and now they're playing the Raiders who have positive tests. <laughs> so, you know, if you're Kansas City, you're like, man, do we want to play these guys, right? And I think there's a little bit of that, but – so look, Kansas City is a better team. We know that. But on any given Sunday, it's so real in the National Football League. Uh, if the Raiders can play a perfect game, uh, then, yeah, they got a fighter's chance. they got a chance at victory here. Uh, Derek Carr, I don't think he's ever won in Kansas City. Um, and then on, on top of that, the Raiders just trying to find their identity uh, and play consistent football. Uh, Kansas City is a heavy favorite for a good reason. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's going to take a perfect game uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders to play and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. He is Mike Pritchard, uh, the former wide receiver. You can catch him 7 to 10 a.m. on Raider Nation Radio, a.m. 920 here in Las Vegas. Also, then he goes and does some national stuff with VEASAN uh, between uh, 12 and 2 every day. So, Pritch, I know you're busy. Appreciate the time, man. Always love working with you, and hopefully we can get you back on here real soon and, and pick your brain a little bit more and, uh, and, and relive some good times and, and look forward to the future here in Vegas with the Raiders. Absolutely, fellas. Uh, great to be on with you. Great to hear both of you uh, locally here again, and I uh, can't wait to catch up and see you guys in person. You hey, got it, brother. Hey, Mike, please give my best to the MVP, Mr. Clay Baker, as well. Please. Absolutely. Shout I out sure to Clay. Will. Absolutely. Absolutely. From both of us. Absolutely. Great hearing you, Mike. Yep. Take care, brother. You too. All right. You, too. you take care, guys. There he is, Mike Pritchard. 
Uh, just uh, great. We'll get him down to the Cosmopolitan one of these Super Fridays. Super nice well, guy, too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, you meet some of the guys that are former athletes and that, and you hear about attitude and that. Mike is one of the most down-to-earth, real people I've ever met. Just a really all-around good guy. Absolutely correct. And one of uh, Vegas' uh, favorite guys. And, uh, you know, fortunate enough to be able to do a lot of shows with him. Frequent guest on, on the program, uh, no matter you know what station we've been on. And uh, like you said, Frank, just great guy, great friend. Uh, just you know, happy to have him on when we can. All right, when we come back, we'll give you some more NFL news, and we will update you on what's happening at Dodger Stadium, Astros and A's. Could this be the closeout game? Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Doctor T.C. Martin. I want to thank Mike Pritchard for joining us tomorrow. We talk a little college football. With one of our favorites, Houston Nutt, the former coach. Ole Miss back in the day. Arkansas. Oh, yeah, he loves his Arkansas Razorbacks as well, too. And Boise State head coach back in the day in Mountain West. Uh, Houston oh, Armando Nutt. will want to tune in for that for sure. There you go. Yeah. Armando. Maybe we can get – can we get Armando out tonight for a little uh, cornhole? Uh, it might be a late late notice for him, and he'd have oh. to bring he'd have to bring his stuff because he's he has his Boise State cornhole. I remember system up he, there. I know. All right, Chris Bosio is going to join us as well tomorrow. Scott Spritzer is a heavy guest driven show tomorrow, and Scott will preview a, a pretty good Thursday night game tomorrow night. The New England, or New England, I'm still I got Tom Brady on my mind still. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers against some team uh, used to be known as the Monsters from the Midway. Don't they call it Tampa Bay now or something Tampa like that? Tampa Bay, very good. That's one of the things yes. they do. By the way, there's a college football game that's canceled tonight. That's, is that because of COVID as well, I believe? I, I UL Lafayette and Appalachian State. Uh, uh, game yeah. is postponed. Yeah, I don't remember seeing that on the schedule. I remember seeing Houston Tulane on the schedule for tomorrow night, Thursday night football. So, well, uh, I'm, I'm looking at know. the score right here, and it says right there that it's postponed yeah. for tonight. I don't remember seeing that on the board, though. I was looking at the board the last couple of days. I don't remember seeing that, but who knows? <laughs> The Houston Astros are on fire. They now lead the A's 7-4. Diaz went deep. Oh, yes. And that crowd is not actually in Minute Maid Park right now. And, and they don't have a train going up on the tracks yeah, around there either. Exactly. Which means that the, the conductor can't fall asleep like we saw last year. Well, it means he can fall asleep now safely because he doesn't have <laughs> exactly. to drive the train. So. <laughs> 7-4 Strohs over the A's. Every time the A's take the lead, they respond. The Astros come right back in the next half inning. That is the makings of a good team. So is Dusty Baker kind of like George Jetson? How's that? He's pushing all the right buttons. He is pushing all the right buttons. For Astro? Yeah, where is Astro, by the way, too? Right, (laughs) Urge. I think you have to be a cartoon aficionado or a very old person to remember Astro. And if you do... Yes, maybe we should have a contest. They use, no, they used some some commercials in that not that long ago. Think so? Yeah. Okay. No, because there was you know, Judy Jetson. You I know, was his, just gonna say you his, like Judy, his boy Elroy. Yeah. You know, you know, daughter Judy, Jane his wife, George Jetson. Yeah. Yeah. Like Elroy. Space, <laughs> Spacely Sprockets. Spacely Sprockets. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's Frank, who's staying up all night. You're probably finding that show at f- probably 4 o'clock in the morning on Nickelodeon. No, no, no. I was watching Sophia Cannon. Sophia Cannon going to the semifinals of the French Open, wow. trying to win her second major of the year. Mm. The young lady that I saw when she was 17 years old out at the Red Rock Open won the Australian Open earlier this mm. year, taking on Petra Kvitova. Going to be tough, but she is in the semifinals, my friend. She beat Danielle Collins this morning. I was watching that at 4 a.m. That is your French Open update by Ballpark slash Red Clay Frank. <laughs> there you go. Well, I can give you more if you want. No, that's jo- quite all right. Djokovic won oh, his match. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's enough for I <laughs> Turn off his mic, would you? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, moment of silence, ladies and gentlemen, right now as we say that the Las Vegas Aces season is over. A gallant effort by the Aces, but they did get swept uh, three games to love in the best of five series last night. And, Unfortunately, we kind of knew this was probably going to happen because Brianna Stewart, phenomenal MVP. Sue Bird, I think, averaged 13 assists in the in this series, uh, just phenomenal. And they, uh, you know, the Aces, they jumped out to an early lead, uh, scored the first seven points, but man, ended up losing by over 30 last night. But again, a team that was decimated by injuries, kind of ran out of. Uh, 
ran out of gas, you know. But the Seattle Storm, just a, a great team. But uh, kudos to the Aces. And I know fans here in Las Vegas, can you imagine, and we've talked about this before, if we didn't have COVID and we were playing games in the Mandalay Bay, they would have had home court advantage. Uh, Cambage would have been there. Yeah, the, the house would have been packed. Uh, it just would have been great. So we just uh, hope that Aces fans hang in there. And uh, you have a lot to look forward to next year as the Aces had the best regular season record this year in the, in the Wubble. And just think about that. And, and we've talked to Bill Lambeer and Asia Wilson, so many of the players. It has been so tough. Picture being in that environment for four-plus months, not being able to leave, you know, and as the land beer says, just the same food over and over again. And to go to the finals and basically finish second, I mean, kudos to the Aces, a fantastic year. Yeah, and you mentioned, Brian, uh, uh, a steward as well, and uh, that's a real nice story, too, that a lot of people don't know about. She had an injury where she wasn't even sure if she was going to be able to play again or how effective she was going to be to come back and be the MVP, play it out of her mind. Sue Bird, I believe that's her fourth WNBA yes. championship. Also holds a record for, what, was it 14 or 16 years between championships yeah. at one stretch there? Right. So, I mean, but she's a – I thought it was funny, too. It was weird watching the ceremony with all the confetti and everything else going on that they do with no fans in that there. Yeah. But when they called her the goat and she was like, goat, sheep, whatever you want to call me or whatever, it's right. like – I don't know if she's the goat of women's basketball, but she's certainly on that short list of some of the greatest It's two. It's, it's her and Diana Taurasi, and they're both still playing and playing at a very high level. So – you know, uh, great season, though. And, and really Aces. humble. And I thought it was funny, too, when she said, well, yeah, but she, they gave it up for the organization, which even that was weird when they announced the four people from the organization and there were six people standing right. there. And it's like, right. well, who are the two that are here that shouldn't be yeah. here right now? Yeah. But then also when she was kind of like, well, they knew that they had to perform and they knew I was going to holler at her. Because <laughs> you yeah. could tell that she was kind of like, she was really the coach without being the coach, kind of. 100%. I had a chance to interview Sue Bird when she was here. You know, for the all-star game, and uh, just great. Just uh, a, a class act, no question about it. All right, so we've got a couple NFL notes we want to hit on real quick. The football team has made a quarterback change. Washington has Haskins out. Kyle Allen is in. They still got Alex Smith on this roster. Alex Smith went from the number three quarterback to number two. I say Alex Smith should play. If he's cleared to play, he's clearly better than Kyle Allen. Come on now. Not, not according to the head coach, he's not, and I think it's his opinion no, that matters. I, I don't think so. I, I think that's just they're scared of the injury. But if he's cleared to could play, be, could right? be. Could don't be. you think? Or maybe they're want to see what this kid's got. Maybe. But, I, I don't know. Kyle Allen stinks. Come on. I, we saw him in Carolina. I don't know. And uh, Sam Darnold out with a shoulder injury. That means Flacco. Joe Flacco in hasn't played in game in, in over a year. Well, I mean, you know, at, at least at least you know Flacco certainly knows the game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather have Joe Flacco than Sam Darnold myself. Yeah. But then again, you still got those other Jets. And Titans yeah. might be in hot water too for some of things that the NFL is looking into as well. So this is uh, true. You know, maybe breaking a little uh, COVID protocol. Ooh. Maybe that's why there's problems there in Tennessee. <laughs> All right, want well, to thank Mike Pritchard again for joining us tomorrow. Houston Nut, Chris Bosio, Scott Spritzer for Ballpark Frank Numchuk. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartshow.com. We'll catch you tomorrow. Don't forget, come visit us Friday at the Cosmopolitan at 2.